Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to Low Definition, the favorite game show podcast of sesquipedalian mammalians, space aliens, and maybe even a few Episcopalians. Which of our players falls into which category is an exercise left to the listener. I am your host, Steve Lutz, and I'm joined tonight by six players who are not Steve Lutz. Lucky them. Oh, speaking of lucky, well, we're recording this episode on St. Patrick's Day, so I want to say a special thank you to my players for graciously taking a break from gorging themselves on corned beef to join us. Starting with Chip Sutterth, looking resplendent as ever in his sporty tam shanter Hello, Chip. I am prepared to throw the damn game to you all over again, Steve. Excellent. Good. I knew there was a reason I had you back on. Uh, Jason Snell is here, waving around his shillelagh like he just don't care. Aloha, Jason. Hello, I am definitely <laughs> mammalian. Is that right? Well, yeah, we'll see. Last time I checked. I think there may be a little Episcopalian leaking through, but we'll, we'll just have to see how this progresses. Lizard got- under the skin suit, buddy. Hmm. Uh, Glenn Fleischman is back once again to bedazzle us with his gift of gab. Evening, Glenn. Uh, sure, and Begora, Steve. I don't know how this happened. Tar to tar to tar. Tar to tar to tar. <laughs> it was only it was only a matter of time. Yep. <laughs> Let's just get it over with. Oh, and uh, speaking of which, if it isn't Tiffany Arment, sipping Arch- a shamrock Arch- shake Arch- and peddling her beautiful pine furniture. Good evening, Tiff. Oh, at the top of the morning. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, a quarter, oh, I'm a quarter Irish and I'm ready to prove it. So Excellent. Right I got down. some Irish in me uh, because uh, I'm drinking again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what's that. <laughs> Also joining us, uh, six fingers deep into a bottle of Bushmills and itching for a Donnybrook, it's Brian Hamilton. Hey there, Brian. Low definition. We're magically loquacious. Oh, boy. Blue diamonds to you and uh, purple horseshoes. And lastly but not leastly, Kathy Campbell is here with a fine, fresh scent, and I like it, too. How are you, Kathy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm great and definitely not an alien. Nope. No, Uh not an alien at all. I believe you. Yep. Those players, by the way, were introduced in order of play, courtesy of Random.org. Random.org. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Bounty. It's the quicker picker-upper. Half a sheet will prove it. (laughs) (laughs) So here are the rules to low definition, which I will now read in character as a leprechaun with an American accent. (laughs) So the six of you found the end of the rainbow and think you can just run off with me gold, eh? Well, not so fast. First, you must play my little word game. In each round, I will read you an obscure word, and each of you will send me a definition for that word. If you send me the correct definition, you get three points and one of me lucky charms. I will then randomize and read all of your definitions along with the real one, and each of you will get the chance to guess which one is correct. You get two points for guessing the real definition and one point for each player you fool with your fake answer. Uh, we played 18, the number of films in my popular motion picture franchise. So uh, first 18 leaves with me gold, though I should warn you, I will then chase you to the ends of the earth, recite a terrible poem, and murder you in a noticeably low-budget way, such as jumping on your chest with a pogo stick. Don't think you can hide from me in space or the hood either. I can go both places. I've done it before. Oh, by the way, if nobody gets the correct definition in a round, I, your leprechaun host, will take six points. Six points! So if you blow it three times, I keep all me gold, and I also get to pinch each of you really hard. So, having alienated an entire country, let's play some low definition. <laughs> 
I appreciate all the references to my favorite horror franchise, Irish Gremlins. <laughs> Everybody loves Leprechaun. Don't wet them after midnight. Um, feed them. So, let's get started with round one, <laughs> where we traditionally start, and tonight is no difference. Uh, the word for round one is this. Echaliobion. Echaliobion. That is spelled E-C-C-A-L-E-O-B-I-O-N. Echaliobion. Please send me your definitions for Echaliobion now. Okay. Definitions. 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 Skiddly dad. Isn't that Jason's job to put the music in? You know, post production, please. Please. Or our excellent editor, Stephen Schapansky, actually has been doing it lately, yes. Even better. So it's Canadian music. Okay, all of the definitions are in for the word. Acaliobion. Uh, I'm now going to read them, and uh, you'll have a chance to guess which one is the real definition. So here we go. Acaliobion. Commonly known as the eyes of a potato. A primitive form of cave painting. A canon of religious law. An egg incubator. A sound-sensitive cell inside one's ear. Church laws relating to burial rites. Or, fish with scales that are colored with more than three colors. Those are your options for the word Echaliobion. You just have to decide which is real. And the first to get to chick to get to blah, 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 blah. The first to get to decide... <laughs> Someone rewound Steve. Chip Sutter. <laughs> Chip. Which one of those is an Acaliobion? Uh, sound sensitive cell in the ear. Why not? Why not? All right, Jason. I'm going to go with an. Oh, boy. An egg incubator. Egg incubator. An egg incubator? An egg incubator, Steve. All right. <laughs> the egg incubator is yours. Egg, is, I, can't, you know, I can't pronounce it, but that's what I'm going with. I have a friend that works at one of those in Silicon Valley. Is it Twitter? Right, is it just a big nest that they sit on? <laughs> Twitter, the egg incubator. <laughs> it's a really large egg, and about 6,000 uh, engineers all sit on it at once. Mm-hmm. They're disrupting egg laying. Glenn. Oh, me? What do you think? I want to fire off the religious law cannon. Boom! (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, in my head cannon, that's not a mortal sin. (laughs) All right, Tiff. What do you think? Head cannon. All right. Um, The egg incubator. I like the simple ones. Incubator for you as well. All right. Brian. Um, I think we should bury this question and learn how to do it correctly in the eyes of our Lord. Church uh, burial rites. <laughs> burial rites. Or, or the eyes there. of the potato. 
<laughs> the eyes of our, our lord, lord. <laughs> <laughs> our great lord the he potato. sees all <laughs> and that leaves kathy campbell i would also like to go for the ear one the ear one the, the ear sound one. sensitive cell inside <laughs> one's ear yes right. i'm not even going to try and say it sound sensitive Wonderful. cell sound sensitive cell well, since we just read that one, uh, let's start with that one. Chip and Kathy both thought that a calliobion was a sound-sensitive cell inside one's ear. In fact, that was Brian's answer, so two Ooh. points to Brian. Mm. I like hearing your groans of anguish in my calliobion <laughs> ears. Mm, excellent. Uh-huh. Speaking of anguish, Brian thought that calliobion oh, no. was church laws relating to burial <laughs> rites. In fact, that was Glenn's answer, so one point to Glenn for that. I will bury you. Glenn, meanwhile, <laughs> thought that a calliobion was a canon of religious law. That was actually Chip's answer, so one point to Chip for that. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Hello. I'm so excited. And that leaves Jace. <laughs> that leaves Jason and Tiff, both of whom thought that a calliobion was an egg incubator. And they were absolutely correct. Yes! And a calliobion oh, is yes. an egg incubator. Good Interesting. job. Interesting. Incubate those inks. This this makes it sound like it's going to not go the way the other times that I've played load definition. Oh, there's so, time. So far, so good. Excellent. There's time. I'm writing the word bam next to my right we could, answer. We, we could have cigar <laughs> spit coming up and not know about it, so watch out. Right. Right. We don't like to get too predictable right Looking here, forward. So. I, what's I'm weird is, of course, there, on your toes. there's a perfectly good word for that, which is incubator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you <Yeah>. think? <laughs> Yeah, Leo Byron's like the brand name, like Q-tip, yeah. right? <laughs> all right, so after round one, boy, the scores are all over the board here. We have a three-way tie for first with two points each. Jason, Tiff, and Brian Hot. tied for fourth with one point each. <laughs> Chip and Glenn, not... Mm-hmm. Neither... Bought. <laughs> neither Kathy nor I have any points yet, but... What? Hot. The game is young. So, let's move on to round two. Yay! The word for round two is Haynep. Haynep. At least I assume that's the word, the way you pronounce this word. Uh, I wasn't able to find a pronunciation for it, but what are you going to do? It's spelled H-A-E-N-E-P. Haynep, hey you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Play. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm... Smash So won't you please send me your definitions for the word hey nep hey now you're an all-star Get the it's over Hey nep Sounds like it's being pronounced backwards Hey nep It's I've got it it's an anagram for peahen No it's not Wait it is It's a small modern peahen Less Small, tasty. Less tasty. <laughs> PN anagram. It is an anagram for PN. Aged I'm in not a use barrel. That Aged in a barrel. Rough Natural hewn. fibers. That's right. <laughs> Raised in Asia. Commonly found in fjords. Okay, all of the answers are in for the word. Hey, Nep. And uh, so I will read them now, and uh, you get to decide which one is real. Hey, Nep. An Irish style of wheat beer. An early ink pen used by European scribes. A pasture. 
an archaic Old English word for hemp. The tip of the ear. The Gaelic term for a dram of spirits. Or, a bronchial condition caused by inhaling wool fibers. Those are your options for the word heynep. And the first to get to choose amongst them is Jason Snell. Jason, oh boy, oh boy, oh what's boy. a heynep? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy. Um, I'm going with the... Hmm. It's hmm. a tough one. There's some good ones in there. The hmm. Do you know that one? That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the that ink pen, an early ink pen. Early ink pen used by European scribes. Okay. Glenn, do you also uh, want an ink pen, Glenn? I, I want no pen. The pen is mighty. I want uh, a pasture, please. A pasture for Glenn. Okie dokie. Tiff. <sighs> Let's see. What was the one with the Gaelic demons? Uh, was, was demons? Like that? I think that may just be in your head. <laughs> we do have a definition that is the Gaelic term for a dram of spirits. There it is. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I don't want it. Oh, okay. A dram of spirits? You would have gone for it's the an alcoholic uh, measurement. demon, though. A dram. Um, a yeah, wee I'm, dram. I'm, I'm thrown by the word dram. I think that that's a little too smart. <laughs> <laughs> for this crew, she leaves unsaid. She has a point there. It's a booze mm-hmm. term. So I don't know. Right. Shot in a beer. I'm going with the, um, also with the pasture. Okay. All right. Two for the pasture. Tiff has left me for the pasture. I have. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think it's a pen, man. Don't think it's a pen. Brian. I wanted to do pasture immediately when I heard it, and now I don't want a dog pile on That's it. It's getting so... awfully full in that pasture. Mm. Sheep dogs. Sheep dogs there. Just one. Oh, God. <laughs> the hemp and wool fibers are just too low definition unless Steve is playing that game. What if I told you the hemp was rough hewn? (laughs) Would that change your mind? Rough hewn. Whatever, I'll do archaic English word for hemp. Okay. If if it is actually pasture, I'm going to kick myself. Hemp, curly, and mo. (laughs) All right, Kathy, you're up. All right, I would like to go with the creepy ghosts, a.k.a. A Dram of Spirit. Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. Peter O'Toole was in it. <laughs> and last up is Chip. I'm going to regret this. What am I saying? you already are. <laughs> you have that on a loop tape, don't you? <laughs> Tip of the year. Tip of the year Ooh. to you. Tip of the year yeah. to you. Oh, tip Tar-tar-tar-tar. of the year to you. Tip of the year Oh, it's See, all right. Ireland I told you left. I'd regret it. They've already given oh, up on us. Lucky Charms. Yep. <laughs> My people, all right. They well, all the guesses are in. So let's see what went down there. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Wait. 
Uh oh, you're called first, Jason. You're in trouble. Yeah, yeah it is. Look what you did. It's, it's a world of thirst firsts for Jason tonight because uh-huh. uh, he thought it was an early ink pen used by European scribes. He thought it so much that he both submitted that answer and guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody followed me. Nobody went to my ink pen. I could. Oh, wow. I tried that strategy the first time I played this game. So no persuasive. points to Jason for the European I tried it scribes. Once and it and their early ink. It's partly pen. because it's an the word is an anagram for pen hay, so I didn't count. <laughs> pen hay. That's not pen good at all. But okay, all right. <laughs> I know what my fake definition means. <laughs> Glenn and Tiff, meanwhile, both thought Uh-oh. that a haynep was a pasture, but it's not. That was Chip Sutterth's answer. So two points to Chip. Uh-oh. You're welcome, Chip. Thank you. Brian, after uh, feeling around in the dark for a while, decided that a haynep was an archaic Old English word for hemp. I felt around in the dark and got hemp. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and you grabbed the right thing because that is, in fact, a haynep. <gasps> oh. Well, then. Well Put that in the pipe and smoke it. Brian Wesley well Hamilton. An archaic well Old English word for hemp. Uh, that leaves Chip, who thought that uh, haynep was the tip of the ear. That was actually Kathy's answer. And Kathy, who thought that a hanep was the Gaelic term for a dram of spirits or a demon, a dram of demons. <laughs> Spooky ghosts. That was actually Glenn Fleischman's answer. So Glenn knows to what a dram is. Too smart, Glenn. It the was demon too drink. Smart. Too smart for Tiffany. Too smart. All right. So uh, I'll take it. after that fantastic job of groping around in the dark, Brian Jesus. steps into the lead with four points. It's dark up here. In second place with third is Chip. Uh, in third place, tied with two points each, Jason, Glenn, and Tiff. In sixth place with one point is Kathy. And yay, nothing for me yet. Yay. Yay. I have one point. So uh, let's move on to round three then. And the word for round three is tree nail. Tree nail. T-R-E-N-A-I-L. Tree nail. Please send me your definitions for tree nail now. That's a character from the uh, knockoff Lord of the Rings book, I think. With the Horbits in it. It's full of Horbits, Garndorf, and tree nail. Steve, does anybody have more edits to their definition immediately after they send it than I do? Mm, mm. I think you may be in the lead on that one, but uh, I've had a few. I didn't even think you could edit... Here. As long as you get in before the uh, yeah. before the readings, Brian, are you the ch- Brian? Are you the cheaty in this situation? Is that what you're saying? That's why he's winning. I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, that just took your score down a few pegs. All right, all of the definitions are in for the round three word, which was tree nail. I will now read them. Tree nail, <laughs> a carriage pulled by three horses. <laughs> Okay, Brian. Three. The number of the horses shall be three. (laughs) Four is right out. A five-leafed shape common in Gothic architecture. A sharp spike used to deter infantry from pursuit. An archaic medical technique in which a metal rod is hammered into a bone. A sickness caused by spoiled pork. 
A wooden pin that swells when moist. <laughs> or <laughs> I hate that. A nail in a tree. <laughs> the, amount the amount of, of nails nail in a tree. In a tree. <laughs> yeah. It's awfully early to give up round I'm three. Very, very impressed with that. Oh, one, guys. Very impressed. But whatever floats your boat. By the way, I forgot to mention that our word for round two was actually provided by a listener. That was a listener word, a stealth listener word from listener Lewis. So thank you, listener Lewis, for that archaic old English word for hemp. Thank you. See, we would have gotten that if we'd known it was a right? listener word. It changes That's everything. That's why I didn't tell you it's it was true. a listener word and then proceeded to forget about it at the end. Listener Lewis <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a bit of a pothead, if I'm being honest. Mm, boy. So, I've read all the definitions, and the first to get to guess amongst them is Glenn Fleischman. Glenn. Rut row. Tree nail me. Uh, I, like, uh, I like to pick aging musicians, so I'm going with archaic metal Rod Stewart. If that's, oh, wait, no, I'm mixing up things here, aren't I? Uh, what is it? Archaic metal rod used to deter infantry or something? And are no, an archaic oh, no, medical technique things. in which a metal rod is hammered into a bone. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I want sharp spike that deters okay, infantry. To deter infantry from pursuit. Yes. Gotcha. Glenn would like to All merge right. two definitions together. <laughs> <laughs> can you do that? I can put them in for both. Two points. Spread them around. Uh, Tiff, what's up? What was the one with the, the shape sides? The, the five-leafed the, shape common in Gothic architecture? Yeah. Although. Yeah. A nail in a tree. isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, it's saying it right there. Nail. Yeah. Tree. tree nail. Hmm. Oh, the shape. The shape. Okay. The shape for you. Brian. For the second time this game, the definition I wanted has been chosen by somebody else. Uh-oh. I'm going to stick with it. Gothic architecture leaf. Gar- Gothic architecture leaf. It's a very, very popular, popular superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Gothic architecture leaf. All right, Kathy, what say you? Uh, since I'm already at the end, and I just need, I need to go with a nail in a tree because... <laughs> Okay. I can't not. It's fantastic. Sure. So nail your own tree. Why wouldn't you? Yes. All right, Chip, you going to nail a tree as well? Or? <laughs> Ow. Holy man. Cow. Ouch. Worth it. Oh, you know, I, we, we mocked it. We, we, we laughed at it. And, mm-hmm. and yet it, and yet it speaks to me. Uh, the carriage pulled by not two, not four, but three horses. Okay. That's a delightful answer. I, I think you chose wisely. How wisely, we'll see soon. Jason. I am also going to say a carriage pulled by three horses. All right. Chip and Jason. Jason knows some horses. Pulled by three horses. All right. Well, here's how that went down. Uh, Chip and Jason both thought, somewhat whimsically, <laughs> that uh, He's already nail. broken. He's already <laughs> broken. Oh, no. A tree nail was a carriage pulled by three horses. Nope, that was Kathy's answer, oh. so she gets two points. Yay! Good job, Kathy. Nice. One short of a tree nail. <laughs> Tiff and Brian both thought that a tree nail was a five-leafed shape common in Gothic architecture. That was actually Glenn Fleischman's answer, so more points <laughs> for Glenn. That smelt, Glenny. 
Darn it. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. A trefoil. Oh, the smell of the Glen. Trefoil is a poor uh, cornered shape. Speaking of Glen, he thought oh. a tree nail was a sharp spike used to oh. deter infantry from pursuit. He tried to jump on a second answer, but was stopped. Uh, and it's a good thing he didn't, because both answers were incorrect. Oh, <laughs> the oh, one Jesus. that he eventually chose was Chip's answer. There we go. You're the welcome. Archaic medical technique was provided by Jason. But nobody guessed that. That leaves Kathy, who thought that a tree nail might be a nail in a tree. <laughs> which no. is ridiculous. No. <laughs> no. Really? And incorrect. A tree nail ah. is not a nail in a tree. That was Tiff's answer, and I can't believe somebody picked it. <laughs> yes. is a You're what are you going to do? A potato. That one. means that nobody Wait, picked no. the correct definition Uh-oh. for tree nail. Oh, no. And that is a wooden pin that swells when moist. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember hearing that. Did you even read that? Yeah, it's down in my notes. He did. Uh, he I did. Notes. There were some some muffled chuckles from the peanut gallery. Yes. Well, mainly because I if laughed. it's wood and it's and moist, it swells. Like, how is that different than it? I don't know. I think it's <sighs> specially designed to swell. It's used to fasten timbers together, and I think they use yeah, it in okay. ships. You tap it in, and it swells. Like a tree nail? I, I've seen... <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> I've seen that. Family show. I didn't know what it was called. Glenn, you're going to have to make your own kids go to bed. <laughs> I was being literal, not okay. uh, dirty. Sure. All right. Well, kids that does it for round three. <laughs> Good night, Glenn's kids. <laughs> And at the end of round three, why, looky here. Since nobody guessed the right answer, I've slipped oh. into the lead with six points. <sighs> wow. Tree nailed it. Tree nailed it. That's bad. Uh, tied. Uh, three-way tie for second with four points each. That's Chip, Glenn, and Brian. Um, some distance behind them, tied with three points each, is Tiff and Kathy. And bringing up the rear is Jason with Hello. two points. how is it back there you You enjoying the rear you know it's the first time in a long time that i've uh, guessed any definition correctly so i'm taking that as a win and pretty much resting on my laurels there you go take your football and go home (laughs) i won in round one so uh that's three rounds under the belt Eh, it's the fourth round and uh, i'm getting kind of tired of words so let's do something different let's uh how about a round of goo complete me Oh, Everybody loves yes. that. Yeah. This is, of course, the round where uh, I type something into Google, and Google helpfully provides the rest of the search term that it thought that I was going to type. Um, it's always wrong and usually embarrassing. And in this case, uh, well, it's a little bit of a lead-up, as usual. Uh, if you've listened to the Flophouse podcast, you might recall that co-host Dan McCoy was once looking at Inspector Gadget clips on YouTube when he ran across <laughs> yes. the curious comment, oh, no. what if Penny met a dinosaur? <gasps> Sending him on a fact-finding journey through the seamier corners of the internet in search of more information on this mysterious phrase. That's not really important. I only mention it now because <laughs> if you type, what if Penny into Google, sure enough, Google now suggests that you might be searching for what if Penny met a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Conversely, if you type low definition is into Google, all you'll get back from the search box is a blank stare. (laughs) Anyway, what I want to know from all of you is, what does Google suggest if I key in the phrase, what if a dinosaur? You know how it completes what if Penny? Mm Mm-hmm. How will it complete? What if 
a dinosaur. Please send me your autocompletes for What If a Dinosaur now. I don't know what the deal is with... Did, did Inspector Gadget die and this is like some robotic creation of him? I can never quite figure that out. He is a cyborg um, augmented by a whole bunch of other stuff. Doesn't yeah. seem like there's much that's human except skin. The cartoon never gave him a proper origin. Maybe they'll address that in Voltron. Yeah. Chip. We might have to send somebody into the Deke archives to find out if there was ever an origin story that just never made the air. Go, Gadget, go! I'll get you next time, Gadget. <laughs> next time. That was good. Well, then... All of the answers are in for round four. I typed the phrase, what if a dinosaur, into Google. And Google followed up with one of these ridiculous phrases in response. You just have to figure out which is which. So, what if a dinosaur was cloned? What if a dinosaur lived in a zoo? What if a dinosaur had got in the lake? What if a dinosaur had human hands? <laughs> what if a dinosaur wore pants? What if a dinosaur survived today? Or what if a dinosaur farted? <laughs> Believe it or not, one of those is the most common thing <laughs> that people have typed into Google when starting with what if a dinosaur. And Brian, you're the first to get, no, I'm sorry, Tiff, you were the first to get to choose amongst them. So, Thank God, I don't want to be the first. Farted. What if a dinosaur, Tiff? Farted. <laughs> farted. You just, like, you just like to say farted. I, how could you not pick <clears throat> that? Sure. Like, that was amazing. very decisive. What was it? Booger, ho booger hole? Booger hole. Booger hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nailed that one. Classy so follow thing. me, folks. It's the farted. <laughs> My okay. mom can't listen to this episode now. Oh, no. <laughs> Did I, you said fart? The, I said the F word. Oh, the the F, F word. The F word is farted in our house. The F A word. <laughs> All right, Brian. You going um, to join, uh, join the fart, the fart fellows? Toot. You can say toot, though. Uh, toot toot, I'm joining the fart train. No, that's not true. I'm not joining the fart train. I just wanted to say toot toot, I'm joining toot, the fart toot. train. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... You're joining the fart train, but that's not your answer. World. What if a dinosaur was cloned? What if a dinosaur was cloned? Crazy well, we times can... would ensue. I'm, I'm certain of it. There's a whole movie about that. <laughs> There's a couple of them, in fact. Like four yeah. of them. Sure. All right, Kathy. What if a dinosaur... War pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Chips on Earth. Um, following Brian into Jurassic Park was cloned. Okay. What if a dinosaur was cloned? All right, Jason. I'm going to go with survived today. Survived today. Boy, just it's, I hate Mondays, mind. but if you can get through the whole day, then you're okay, dinosaur. <laughs> That's a sad dinosaur. Surviving today. What if Garfield? A dinosaur movie. <laughs> and Glenn. Well, I don't have a strong opinion, so I'm going to do the uh, spread maneuver to try to keep Steve out of the game here. And I'm going to say lived in a zoo. Lived in a zoo. The spread maneuver from Glenn. 
<laughs> Typical. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think we'd get there this early, but uh, game keeps getting less and less wholesome. All right. <laughs> Show. Oh, yes. All of your guesses are in, and uh, let's find out now what people type in after they type in what if a dinosaur. Uh, Brian and Chip both thought that a lot of people wanted to know what if a dinosaur was cloned. Nope. That was Jason's answer. So oh. two points to Jason. Glenn thought, what if a dinosaur lived in a zoo was an interesting query. It was actually one provided by Kathy, so points to Kathy for that. Oh, very nice. Very good. Thank you, Speaking Seth. of Kathy, uh, there appears to be a bit of a pattern forming here. She went with uh, the ridiculous answer, what if a dinosaur wore pants? <laughs> and that was actually provided once again by Tiff. <laughs> Damn it, Tiff. I know how to hook you now. I know. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Jason thought, well, he asked the musical question, what if a dinosaur survived today? That was actually posed by Chip. Ah, Chip. You make a good Google. Yep. Speaking of musical questions, Tiff wondered (laughs) what if a dinosaur farted. That was actually provided by Brian. Oh, oh no. I'm the good conductor job, Brian. of the fart train. Oh, yeah, no. that was good job. So lots of points oh. handed out that round, but oh, none no. so many no. as those handed to oh, me. No. <laughs> the correct answer, and oh. what most people are typing into Google when they start off with what if a dinosaur is, what if a dinosaur had got in the lake? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, what? <laughs> is it about had the Loch Ness Monster? got in the lake. Yes, apparently that is from a a, comet, a comedy routine by some guy named Stuart, I guess. I guess he's British. About the Loch Ness Monster. This so, is, uh, this is um, oh, one of wow. Merlin Mann's favorites, I think, Stuart Lee. The, 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 Stuart Lee. Oh, that's it. yeah. He probably could have told you. What if a dinosaur wow. had gotten the lake? Wow. Unfortunately, he wasn't here to tell you, and so that puts me way out in the lead with 12 Jeez. points. Oh Damn God. it, Merlin. Where Holy were you? Crow. I was distracted by the farting. Ah. Oh. Blinded by the fart. Wrapped up like the deuce. I always thought that was something. All right, so after round four, I'm way out front with 12. I'm sensing an awesomeness uh, punishment coming soon, but we'll see. Uh, That uh, in second place, tied for second with five points each, is Chip and Brian. And with four points each, everybody else. Time for the spread odd fence, folks. That round was really dumb, so let's do another (laughs) dumb round. Uh, Round five. And the word for round five is... Yushabti. Yushabti. You take that back. (laughs) And that is spelled U-S-H-A-B-T-I. Yushabti. Please, won't you send me your definitions for... Yushabti, now. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) We're just still trying to come up with ours. Yeah. We're thinking. We're not as smart as you, apparently. The fall of the house of Yushabti. I just have them all written on pieces of paper in a fishbowl, and I pick them out. Do you pre-write clues? I mean, answers? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But you just... but. I would never, never thought of that. Now who's the smart one, Glenn? <laughs> well, we already knew the answer to that. All right. All of the definitions are in for round five's word. You shabti. So I will read them now. You shabti. Natural 
sparkling water. A style of ancient human art made from carved animal bones. A small fish found mostly in the upper Missouri River. A headscarf. The roots of a baobab tree. To critically judge your mother-in-law's cooking. <laughs> or figurines placed in ancient Egyptian tombs to act as servants in the afterlife. Those are your options for the word Yushabti. Watch your mouth. And first choice goes to Brian Hamilton. Brian, which of those is Yushabti? I'm going with um, mother-in-law's cooking. What the heck? What the heck? I think, uh, I think I heard that same thing a few times in the last episode of Low Definition. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> hey, Kathy. Yeah. You shabty. <laughs> uh, let's go with the Egyptian. No. Headscarf. A headscarf. We're going with a headscarf. A headscarf. Alrighty. Chip. I'm going with the Egyptians. You're going with the Egyptians. I am. Okay, All right. Be sure to walk like them. Ah, oh, that's what I was gonna mm. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way Any chip an Egyptian. Jason. Eh? How would you like to walk? I am going to crawl through the desert like a thirsty man looking for some natural sparkling water. <laughs> okay. That is a pretty good spread forming here. I think you guys are learning. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> we fear Steve. <laughs> Glenn, leading well, the way you, with the spread. And uh, are you going to continue to spread out this time? If you'd asked me about the durian fruit, I might have had something but a baobab tree. Yeah. No one asked um, you about the durian fruit. The Fish, I know fish are often named for like Native American or people's things, so sometimes it sounds like that. But People's things. People's things. <laughs> things and people. Uh, I'll take things out of the universe, Alex. Um, I think I'm going to go for baobab tree. Damn it. Roots All of. Right. Comma, roots root of. Of the baobab tree. I'm spreading. You're spreading like the roots of I'm the baobab spreading tree. Like the roots. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty spreading. There you go. <laughs> All right, Tiff. Well, read me the fish one because I really do want the baobab tree. But uh, read the me the fish one. A small fish found oh, mostly small. It had to be small. small. Fish. It had to be small. <laughs> it had. To it's be small, small and it's found mostly in the oh. Upper Missouri River. Oh my! Oh, there's just so much happening. Small, mostly upper. Steve, Stop. is it tasty or is it less tasty? <laughs> it's, it's definitely less tasty. Well, it's modern. <laughs> Does it have a colon or a semicolon in it? Mm, well, if it's a fish, it probably did fish have colons. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> Either this colon. is the right definition, or someone's getting a very harsh lesson in definition it, it, writing. It seems like fish should have colons, but they kind of just <laughs> swim around with stuff hanging out. So maybe <laughs> small fish colon. outside invisible colon. <laughs> I'm also going to go with the baobab. Let's end this fish colon talk. Sure, why not? <laughs> Thank fish colon. Shut it down. Started, but what, what the heck? Fish colon, ruined fish colon, and Smith. Attorneys at law. You ruined my. Phone. Fun. Fish colon talk. <laughs> Welcome back to Fish colon talk. All righty then. No let's uh, let's start with that one then. Glenn and Tiff both went with the roots of a baobab tree. They oh, thought no, that's what a Ushabti was. Mm. 
Not quite. That was Kathy's answer. Oh. Kathy, I like the word okay. baobab. What can I say? I do too. I know. It's mm. a good word. <laughs> it is. Kathy, meanwhile, thought that a Ushapti was a headscarf. Nope, that was a head fake from Chip. I feel kind of guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Jason thought that Ushapti might be a natural sparkling water. And it does sound like a brand name for something like that. <laughs> But it's not. It's Brian Hamilton's answer. So drink it, Snell. I will. I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it, sir. <laughs> oh, God, Meanwhile, Brian went with to critically judge your mother-in-law's cooking. <laughs> another ridiculous answer and another point to Tiff. <laughs> right on. That's good. Oh, no. uh, for the oh, record, no. Tiff, I almost went with that oh, one. Oh, no. It's the that leaves one more. He may be oh, your no. savior or he may be the goat. It's Flash. Chip's utter. Oh. Oh, no. Chip thought that you shopped he were figurines placed in ancient Egyptian tombs to act as servants in the afterlife. Not again, not again. If he's right, we keep going. If he's wrong, I win again. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Show me you shapti. He's correct. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. I almost went with it, figurines placed in ancient Egyptian tombs to act as servants in the afterlife. Good job, Chip. Well spreaded, my friend. Well spreaded. So after round five, I'm still leading with 12, but people are rapidly approaching my backside. Most notably, Chip. (laughs) Chip's got eight points. He's in second place. You often have. No, it's all about the Unfortunately, no. Uh, Tied for third with six point each, Brian and Kathy. Uh, in fifth place with five points is Tiff, and bringing up the rear with four points each, Jason and Glenn. What? How'd this happen? At least, you know, there's company back there. It's not lonely, at least. Yeah, that's right. So that brings us to round six. (gasps) What? Round six? Why? (gasps) It's the crazy round! Crazy round! This round is so crazy. Hmm. How crazy was it? Not that crazy, actually. Well, we'll see. Oh. <laughs> you never know. Crazy things sometimes happen. Anything could happen, you know, in this round. What's going to happen right now is I'm going to give you the word for the crazy round, and that word is... Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik. Oh, God. What? Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik. That is spelled Z-E-N-Z-I-Z-E-N-Z-I-C. Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik. Please send me your definitions for the word zenzizenzizenzik. Now. Can you use that word in a phrase, please? <laughs> the word is zenzizenzizenzik. <laughs> the word for which I want definitions now is zenzizenzizenzik. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't stop thinking of the cat in the hat. <laughs> That's a common problem. Well, time to change my definition. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, I'm sending you an updated uh, definition. So, really, Brian? After that, you think I'm gonna I'm going to update your answer? (laughs) I don't know. We could update our answers. I might just use "fu" Steve as your answer. What do you think of that? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I thought that line was the one you wanted. The the amount of Zen in a thing. All right, well, all the answers are in, and a few other choice statements <laughs> for the word Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik. <laughs> and this is what I got for that word. 
and you're now stuck with it. So enjoy. Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik. A Slavic twirling dance. Flaking from a rotating metal cylinder resulting from friction. The technical term for a deer in the headlights. The telling of a tall tale, usually involving the supernatural. Navigating via a sextant. Musical rests in religious choral performances. Or the eighth power of a number. Those are your options for the word Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik. These don't seem like options. Yeah. Life is rough. Take the Kobayashi Maru. Fortunately for you, Chip, Kathy gets to go before you, and so, Kathy. Which one of those is Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik? Uh, uh, the one with the tall tail thing. Usually involving the supernatural. Yes, that one. All right. All right, Chip, your brief respite is up. Uh, the eighth power! The eighth power! The eighth power! <laughs> you could have just said the power eight times. We'd have waited. Chip, I, I learned about that when I lived in New Haven. Oh! Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Work it, Glenn. Work it. Work it. The Work the arm. Oh, Jesus. Jason, are you working the arm? I'm not. I no. am taking a musical rest in a religious choral arrangement. Sure. Uh, it's been a long day. You deserve it. Mm. Glenn? Uh, I, I want to employ the spreading technique. That sounds terrible. I, uh, <laughs> then roll a deep one. That's why it's as terrible as the out. last three times. Um, but my older son has been doing a lot of music uh, com- composing, and Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik sounds exactly like some of the musical terms that are used in common parlance, even though they sound ridiculous. I'm going to go with musical rests and choral thingamabob. Okie dokie. Choral baobab. <laughs> and uh, if you're wrong, your son will never let you live it down. Straight, I'm sorry, Ben. I try to live up to you. Mm, well, it's a good thing he already left after all that fart talk. Yeah. Put him to bed, He's yeah. in bed already, yeah. He's <laughs> tooting away. Good good night. Trombone. <laughs> <laughs> you're tooting nice the trombone? Thing. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> used to do when I'd go to bed early. Uh, Tiff. My first instinct was also the musical definition because from my remember from music theory so i'm gonna go with the musical rests oh boy god. a lot of piling oh, up we're back rests. together Tim. i'm we're back sorry together. everybody dun, just dun, sounds dun, like dun. demi demi semi quaver or something like that <sighs> okay who's oh. left oh brian hey brian O'Brien. O'Brien, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, O'Brien. O'Brien. <laughs> well, if it isn't your old friend O'Brien, what a fine <laughs> Irish name. Brian O'Brien. Sure now. Oh, tart it, tart it, tart Oh, tell me another story, O'Brien. It's oh, a wee oh. baron. Pull the other one, Brian. <laughs> I don't think anybody has picked uh, flaking from a metal cylinder spinning thing yet. Has anyone picked that? <laughs> Not that, that really I've seen. Definition. No one's picked it? Okay, I'm doing that. Zenzi, Zenzi, Zenzik. Okay. Round she goes. Vinny All right. Vinici. All the guesses are in. There are three. Uh, count them. Three answers that nobody guessed. Uh, and one God. answer that three people guessed. Oh. We'll see how that works out for you. <laughs> Let's start with Brian's guess. He thought Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik might be a flaking from a rotating medical med- medical metal <laughs> cylinder. <laughs> medical a medical cylinder. <laughs> that's, that's what we call euros. Rotating metal cylinder resulting from friction. In fact, that was Chip's answer. One answer down. 
Chip off the old metal cylinder. (sighs) (laughs) Did Kathy get the right answer? She thought it was the telling of a tall tale, usually involving the supernatural. No, that was Tiff's answer once again. (laughs) (laughs) I do have your brand of bait, Kathy. I do. You really That's two answers down. Haven't found the real one yet. Oh, God. How about these three yahoos that all went from musical rests and religious choral performances? Look, I was first. I was first. I didn't know I was starting a trend. (laughs) That's Jason, Glenn, and Tiff. They were all wrong. That was Brian's wow. answer. Wow. Oh, oh, our education no. fails us, boys. Oh, no. Three answers down. Oh, gosh. If you got... Oh. Here's the fourth okay. and final answer that somebody guessed. Chip Sutter thought that Zenzi Zenzi Zenzik might be the eighth power of a number. Please. Did he please. save the day again? <gasps> or are you all going down in flames? Chip... You're a hero. Zenzik Zenzik is the eighth power of a number. The power. The power. The power. The power. The power. Anyone come up with that word for that concept? Oh, ye disciples of the golden chip. (laughs) Nobody went for Glenn's Slavic twirling dance, which I thought was pretty good. I can imagine somebody spinning about. Skirts I gotta fly. stop using. Uh, I gotta stop using terms that involve uh, countries. I think. Yeah, yeah I think people are onto that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just start writing definitions that all have countries in them. My, my next Take history, that. like potato. <laughs> That's how you <laughs> get it. it is. Oh man! Well, after round six, the crazy round. That was a pretty crazy <sighs> round, by crazy. the way. Yeah, it was. I'm still in the lead with twelve points. But uh, Chip has clearly caught a whiff of me. He got three points that round, and there he is with 11 points. Whoa, Nobody who work. caught a whiff of you would be right behind you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Farts. All right. All that cabbage. No, it's okay. I can take it. Uh, where were we? Oh, third with nine points is Brian Hamilton. Uh, tied for fourth with six points each, it's Tiff and Kathy. And in the rear, stay, staying pretty steady, is uh, Jason and Glenn. They each have four points. <laughs> yep. It's great back here. Nice to be with mm. you. <clears throat> Number seven, round seven. Well, words are great, aren't they? But let's do something a little different this round. Let's uh, let's have another visit with our old friend, Florida Man. Yay! Florida Man. Yay. Doing things only Florida can. <laughs> As you know, this round chronicles the misadventures of America's favorite ne'er-do-well. Oh. Hey, can you guys hang on for just a second? Yeah. I have a call coming in on my other Skype line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's from the uh, cat. The cat's, in suspense. The cat oh, called the cat. to be asked. Uh, uh, Prince? Hello? Hello. Oh, oh, hello, your majesty. Uh, yeah, we, we're playing. We're just about to play a round of Florida, man. We're... It's part what? of the bit. No, uh, Eric is not on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stephen's not here either. Uh, yeah, he is here, but he's not actually Canadian, Your Highness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> y- yes, yes, yes. Of course, I- I'll-, I'll take care of it right away. Your grandiloquence. Uh, no, no, no. That won't be necessary. Uh, I'll figure something out. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've got to get back to the game. All right, all right. I'll see you soon. Yes, I'll wear the jod purse. Okay, okay. Good night, your concupiscence. Kiss, kiss. I love this show so much. All right, folks. Uh, I've just received some feedback on this episode from my superiors, and that feedback is not enough Canada. 
So uh, <laughs> oh. instead of Florida Man, how about let's play a round of Canada Man? This will be the politest <laughs> round ever. This round uh, chronicles the misadventures of America's eighth or ninth favorite ne'er-do-well, Canada Man. Hmm. Um, once again, we'll be talking about something that uh, Canada Man got up to. Something crazy, a little bit weird, and uh, you need to decide uh, exactly what went down. It was probably so here polite and amazing. Did, did not hold a door for someone. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the Penticton Herald, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right, shortly before 2 a.m. on August 24th, 2016, Mounties responded to a call at a Penticton, British Columbia gas station. There they discovered Canada Man completely naked, and pouring milk on his genitals. Uh, when questioned, what was the reason Canada Man gave for his bizarre actions? Please, won't you tell me the excuse that Canada Man gave for pouring milk on his area now? 2 a.m., gas station, naked, August. genital milk, August. August 2016? August August 24th, 2000. Does that make a big difference, Glenn? Does it really uh, make a big difference? If it was difference? the 23rd, I'd have a different answer. So the Mounties found him, and he provided an explanation? He was nude. He was pouring milk on his area. And uh, he was questioned about it, and he gave a reason for it. Tell me what it was. Wow. That's... Canada Man is amazing. He gets up to some shenanigans, man. <laughs> Shenanigan Man. Shenanigan that's a, man. That's a, hey, that's Shenanigan in, man. That's in Saskatchewan. Shenanigan Saskatchewan. Sure. Just down the street from Moose Jaw. Headman tan man. Did Tiff put How it on? Oh, no, she still has suck it Trebek in the chat window, so that can't be her answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was old. That was old. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. All of the answers are in at last for Canada Man. Canada Man. Uh, so again, to recap. The Mounties turned up at a gas station in British Columbia and found Canada Man naked and pouring milk on his area. And uh, they asked why, and he told them. And one of these things is what he actually told them. The rest are filthy lies. So <laughs> don't believe them. <laughs> so, what did Canada Man tell the Mounties? To drown the fire ants. He had been attacked by three unknown men who sprayed bear spray down his pants. He had poured antifreeze on his private parts to cool them down. They started feeling like they were on fire. He thought milk would help. He spilled a bottle of hot sauce on his pants, giving his privates a chemical burn. <laughs> he had been sprayed by a skunk and was getting the stink out. <laughs> he was fishing for beavers. Or he was washing off the gasoline after changing his mind. <laughs> after oh. changing his mind. After changing his mind. On second thought. So, those are the excuses given by Canada Man. One of them is real, the rest of them are not. And the first to get to decide, since we've wrapped around, is Chip Sutterth. Chip, lay out some of your Canada knowledge for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, bear spray? <laughs> okay. 
attacked by three unknown men who sprayed bear spray down his pants. Okay, Jason. It took three guys. That's great. <laughs> these are well, all... One fan- holds the bear spray and the others rotate the Canadian. It's These are all fantastic. <laughs> I I, uh, I think that maybe at some point low definition should be entirely made up of these completely <laughs> random rounds because I think it really shows our incredible creativity. I love all of them. The one that made me laugh so hard I was unable to speak for 30 minutes was... Uh, or 30 seconds. It seemed like 30 minutes. I was unable to speak was washing off the gasoline after changing his mind because it is ir- just completely incomprehensible and therefore I believe true. And if it's not true, I don't care. I'm going to choose to believe that it's true. All right. Believe it. The truth is out there. He changed his mind. Changed his mind. Oh, changed my mind. Glenn. Uh, well, washing gasoline mind. is either uh, the right answer or it's Brian Hamilton. Because uh, <laughs> he knows what he did. Um, <laughs> antifreeze one seems a little too close to gasoline so I don't know should I pick antifreeze uh, hot sauce sounds more like Florida man fire ants I don't know about fire ants I, I'm going to go um, spray by a skunk you use milk I don't know I'm going to go with fishing for beavers for the spray <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Just fishing for beavers. Glenn just usual. talked himself into the worst answer. All right, good. It's good. I, I think it. the raccoons were, were speaking in his yes. mind. Mm. I think the Washington Tasty gasoline beavers. is too Tasty. good. Eat the beavers. Beavers are We great. don't know what was happening. It's just what he said. He said yum, 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 beavers. Fishing for beavers. All right, Tiff. Fishing for beavers. All right, for the spread, I'm going to pick the skunk. Picking the skunk. Spread the skunk. Sprayed by a skunk and was getting the stink out. Okay, Brian. It's a good, it's a good solution. Uh, give me some of that sweet, sweet hot sauce. You got it, dude. And that leaves Kathy Campbell. <clears throat> Does that leave the fire ants? Yeah, to drown the fire ants is still on the board and untaken. <laughs> All right, I'm going. I'm pulling one for the team, guys. Fire ants. Fire ants. All right. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> Let's see how that all went down. Thank you, Canada Man, by the way, for providing that bit of jocularity. It's so good uh, to be Kathy, beavers. Kathy, uh, Kathy went with to drown the fire ants. More out of a sense of duty than I think anything else. <laughs> and duty. her duty led to... <laughs> good one. Her duty led directly to Brian, <laughs> the duty master. <laughs> At least it wasn't Tiff's. Oh, but he said duty, so it's worth it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Speaking of Brian, uh, he thought that maybe Canada Man spilled a bottle of hot sauce on his pants, giving his privates a chemical burn. No, that was Chip's answer. One more point for Chip. Ooh. Uh, mm. <laughs> Are you all right there? <laughs> I think he just poured some hot sauce down his pants. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel that bad, Just cut open a bag of milk. Tiff thought that maybe a skunk had wandered by and sprayed Canada Man and he was getting the stink out with milk. But no, that was Jason's answer. Yeah, I didn't. The man with cats who is no stranger to getting the stink out. (laughs) (laughs) Glenn, meanwhile, thought that maybe Canada Man was fishing for beavers. Somehow. Just for the team. Just for the team. Just for the spread. uh, On his bait. Just for the spread. But no, that was Kathy's answer. Oh, Kathy. Oh, no. Hey, Jason. Hey, Steve. 
You th- you thought maybe Canada Man was washing off the gasoline after changing his mind. Yep. Which is a delightful turn of phrase. And one that was actually come up with by Tiff. Oh, Tiff, that's the best one ever. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Two answers remain on the board. Oh, no. <clears throat> Chip thought that uh, Canada Man had been attacked by three unknown men who sprayed bear spray down his pants. I can't take this pressure anymore, guys. <laughs> is he right? He is. I told you he was Canadian. Oh, Chip. <sighs> yes, indeed. He, wow. uh, he claimed that three unknown men leapt out of the bushes and sprayed bear spray down his pants. <laughs> Plausible. It later Plausible. was determined that, in fact, he had, and I'm putting some big air quotes around this, accidentally sprayed his own bear spray down the front of his pants. Oh. But, uh, you know, it's Canada. What stays in Canada? What happens in Canada stays in Canada. Okay, so uh, where are we at the end of round seven? Oh, my God, Chip. What have you done? You've taken the lead. Yay. After three straight rounds of guessing the correct answer, Chip has 14 points. He is sort of in striking distance. I have slipped into second with 12. I always knew it would happen. It's all right. In third with 10 points is Brian. Uh, Tied for fourth with seven each, Tiff and Kathy. Uh, in sixth place with five points is Jason, and in last with four is Glenn. Oh. It's better than zero, but not trying, by much. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, uh, that was lovely. I was glad to visit Canada and say hello to our good friend Canada man, but let's go back to words. And the word for round eight is absquatulate. Absquatulate. That's spelled A-B-S-Q-U-A-T-U-L-A-T-E, absquatulate. Please send me your definitions for the word absquatulate now. Everyone's running out of steam. Doing the usual, looking at pictures of bear spray. (laughs) (laughs) We're just absquatulating. Looking at Canadian raccoons for a change. Mm, Good absquatulating. (laughs) I did 30 reps. Close the core. I'm absquatulating. Close the core. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All of the definitions are in for round eight's word, which is... Absquatulate. Here they are. Absquatulate. To extinguish a candle with water. To push a viscous material through a narrow opening, as with toothpaste. To imitate the call of a bird. An exercise that isolates muscle groups. Oh, my core. In the core. <laughs> Get your powders. The powers. S- stroking the fur of an animal against the grain. To flee, semicolon, abscond. <laughs> or to dredge a river. Those are your options for the word absquatulate. And first up in round eight is Jason. Oh, boy. I am going to say 
stroking the fur against the grain. All right. They love that, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Glenn. Flee, semicolon, abscond. All right. Going the semicolon route. It's going right for the semicolon. All right, Tiff. Bird call to scatter the bird call votes here. Ooh, ah, crickets. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's the dreaded monkey cricket. <laughs> Those are dreadful. What does the fox say? I don't, I don't know. I just feel really tired all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> why? All right, Brian. Ding, 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 ding. Um, absquatulate me. Push viscous material through a narrow opening. Sure, why not? You do you, man. Moving along, Kathy. <laughs> I'm going to go with to dredge a river. Dredge me a river. All right. <laughs> the, the Harper Lee novel that was not so popular. <laughs> Chip. Dredge me a river. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Gee whiz, my gee so, golly. Gee whiz. Okay. Um, extinguish a candle with water. Oh, boy. Don't hide your candle under a bushel of water, Chip. All right. Well, all the guesses are in. Let's see what went happened. What went happened. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> As I was saying, all the guesses are in. And uh, let's see what went down there. Chip thought that absquatulate was to extinguish a candle with water. Nope. In fact, that was Kathy's answer. So no two points for you this round. No two points for you. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Brian, meanwhile, thought to absquatulate was to push a viscous material through a narrow opening, as with toothpaste. That was actually Chip's answer. So, Chip, you get points. A point. Don't feel too bad. Tiff thought that absquatulate was to imitate the call of a bird. Seamless. In fact, <laughs> that was Brian's answer. You're welcome, Brian. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Moving right along, Jason thought that to absquatulate was to stroke the fur of an animal against the grain. No, in fact, that was Tiff's answer. Hmm. Tiff's got my number. Glenn, meanwhile, thought that absquatulate was to flee. Semicolon. Semicolon. <laughs> abscond. <gasps> and he was absolutely correct. The semicolon <gasps> wins again. Two points for Glenn. At least Kathy, who thought to dredge a river was to absquatulate. In fact, that was Jason's answer. So point to Jason for that. So no winners after that round, but oh. Chip is a little bit closer. He's got 15 points now, definitely in striking distance. Uh, still in second with 12 points is me. In third with 11 points, Brian Hamilton. Tied for fourth with eight each, Tiff and Kathy. Tied for sixth with six each, Jason and Glenn. Yay. They're making their move. I think they're on the comeback trail. It mm. all starts here. All right, so the word for round nine is... Furfy. Oh, furfy. I had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? I hope the surgery went well. Furphy, F-U-R-P-H-Y. Please send me your definitions for the word furphy. Now. Furphy. 
Furfy. Freddy Furfy. This year's hot toy. The, the guy who invented the Furby, uh, who was designing it, he was uh, thought to be the Unabomber because he was sending <laughs> skeleton, metal skeleton <laughs> robots through the mail to uh, Mattel or whoever made it and the prototypes. And he and his family lived off the grid for some reason, uh, generating their own electricity and in Colorado. So the FBI is like, this guy is sending it's creepy skeletons they didn't on them, right? <laughs> Through the mail all the time with robotic parts. This is not right. Wow. And that's the story about how the Unabomber invented the Furby. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Adolf Hitler and the VW bug. Good, good story, Glenn. All right. At any rate, all of the answers are in for the word Furfy. Furfy. I just like saying it. Furfy. Furfy. And now I will say the definitions that came in for Furfy. Dank, semicolon, musty. The inedible elements used in food photography. A brocaded pillow. A taxidermied animal that has been placed on a pedestal. A false or absurd story that is claimed to be factual. To be on the run from the law. Or an Irish animal spirit. Those are the definitions available to choose from for the word furphy. And first to get to choose amongst them is Glenn. Oh, uh, I'm going to say a false or absurd story. Sure, why wouldn't you? Okay, lay it on us, Glenn. That's, that sounds like you. <laughs> well, you see, years ago, my mailman was broken. Turns into out. Wait a minute, is this the one about the Unabomber and Furbies? Because I've heard <laughs> that one already. <laughs> Even commercially? Uh, right. Tiff. The Irish animal spirit. Okay. Because I feel like my spirit animal might be a Furby. Distilled hmm, from like real Irish animals. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my spirit animal is a praying mantis. Just want you to know that. Neat. All right, Brian. Um, even though I don't believe in it, and I believe that anything is edible if you try hard enough, I'm going with <laughs> inedible elements of food photography. Hmm. Very good. Kathy. Uh, to continue the spread, I'm going to go for the semicolon answer again. Even though okay. it probably isn't, unless he's playing with us. Hmm. Well, it worked once. You never know. Yeah. Hey, Chip. What's a furphy? I'm going to follow Brian. I'm I, I'm I'm breaking the spread. I'm going with the food photography. Food photography. It's a dangerous game you're playing, boy. But oh, what the heck? Yolo, right? Jason. Food photography. Food photography. Ooh, he sounds like someone might. Who knows? Enough of this food spread photography. business. <laughs> <laughs> Damn the torpedoes! A bunch of food is called a spread. That's a three-way dangerous game. It's super dangerous now. All right, well, uh, let's start with that one then, since three of you were certain that a furphy or furphy was the inedible elements used in food photography, such as I guess the film. I don't know. That was Brian, Chip, and Jason. They are all wrong, because that was Tiff's answer. Three oh, points to Tiff. Ooh, yeah, yes. Nice work. 
Kathy thought that Furphy was dank, semicolon, musty. She was irresistibly attracted to that semicolon. That, in fact, was Chip laying that semicolon out there like bait. Yeah. ruh Tiff, meanwhile, thought that Furphy was an Irish animal spirit. That was actually Jason's answer. <sighs> At least one answer and one oh. guesser. Oh, the guesser boy. is Glenn Fleischman. The answer is a false or absurd story that is claimed to be factual. A lot of answers on the board nobody picked. Good thing Glenn picked the right one then. Glenn, I love you. A furphy is a false or absurd story that is claimed to be factual. So there you go. Two points to Glenn for that. So. Still nobody has won after nine rounds, but uh, Chip is still in the lead. He inches ever closer to the finish line. He has 16 points. Still in second. Boy, I've been sitting here for a long time with 12 points. It's me. Tied for third with 11 each, Tiff and Brian. Tied for fifth with eight each, Glenn and Kathy. Jason has a respectable seven points, but that's still a back-of-the-pack score. So what are you going to do? We're approaching the Panage event horizon, I think. We are. We're getting awfully close. <laughs> I think this is it. I think this is the one that's going to do it. And, you know, I'm so excited about that possibility that I think we should do something a little different here. Let's do another round of what I was calling goodwill reading. <laughs> it's a little different this time. <laughs> Previously, I uh, I pulled a book at random from the shelves at the Goodwill and uh, and we went that route. This time I used a, there's a little birdhouse thing that a local Boy Scout uh, put together and put in our neighborhood. And it's a, uh, it's a neighborhood lending oh, library. Tiny library, yeah. So, uh, so I just randomly selected a book that one of the neighbors either read or chose not to read and thought that the rest of us, you know, would be interested in. And uh, I'm going to give you the title and I'm going to read the blurb from the back. And you're going to write for me the first sentence of this book. So the title of this book, what do you know, I pulled out a nonfiction book this time, and the book is titled Colonies in Space by T.A. Heppenheimer, copyright 1977. And this is the blurb from the back. This is not science fiction, not a sketchy outline of dim possibilities, not far-reaching speculation, Colonies in Space, all caps, illustrates with over 100 drawings and diagrams that livable space colonies can be constructed and maintained now. Planetary scientist T.A. Heppenheimer covers every aspect of the space colony, from the first way station to the luxurious condominium of the future. Its design, its gravity, its energy sources the food supply for its inhabitants, and the special problems and pleasures humans will face in a man-created environment. Sooner or later, they will exist. We have all the tools and intelligence at hand. So it's on the back of Colonies in Space by T.A. Heppenheimer. Now it's up to you to tell me, when I opened up that book, what was the first sentence? Yes. Please send me your first sentence to Colonies in Space now. All right, all right. All of the answers are in, if you can believe it. 
for, uh, actually not answers, but first sentences for the book, Colonies in Space. One of these is the real first sentence of that book. I'm going to read them to you now and you decide which one is which. So, Colonies in Space. Have you ever wanted to live in space? Have you ever looked into the stars and dreamt of living among the heavens? Colonies in space? That's the whole thing. <laughs> what? Is this really the book I'm writing? <laughs> the future of humanity is not on our finite planet, but rather in the deepest oceans of space. Living in space is within reach. You may not believe me, but everything I say is true, I swear. Or, man has walked on the moon, but he will live on Mars in the millions by the year 1999. <laughs> All right, one of those is the real first sentence to Colonies in Space, T.A. Heppenheimer's 1977 classic. And the first to get to figure out which is which is Tiff. Oh, great. Okay. Everything I'm about to say is true. I swear. <laughs> okay. Brian. The future of humanity is not on our finite planet, but the rest of the sentence, which I didn't write down. Sure. The deepest oceans of space. <laughs> Space. Uh, 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 uh. One, one space. <laughs> Kathy. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, we'll go with the living on Mars in the millions. Okay. Hesitant question mark. Dot, dot, sure. Dot. Work the spread. Uh, yes. Work the spread. All right, Chip. Living in space is within reach. Okay. Jason. <laughs> Are you all right, Jason? In, colonies in space, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Glenn. Uh, living, I like the, have you ever really looked at the stars? I mean, really looked at them, but I think I'm going with living in space within reach, if that's the, the third to last, right? Uh, yes. Like that. Okay. All right. Your funeral. Exactly. I die. All right. Well, let's see about that one then. Chip and Glenn both thought that living in space is within reach was the first sentence. It was a first sentence, but it was one written by Kathy. Oh. Two points to Kathy. Yay, points. Tiff went with, you may not believe me, but everything I say is true, I swear. All good books start like that. <laughs> yep. And uh, this one, though, was written by Brian Hamilton. That's good writing. <laughs> Oh, that's so well. bad. I was like, it had to be it. Well done, Brian. <sighs> Kathy went with man has walked on the moon, but he will live on Mars in the millions by the year 1999. Incorrect. And also an incorrect answer. That one was Glenn's. Oh, that's a good one. Fake future year that's now in the past. Good job, Glenn. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Brian went with the future of humanity is not on our finite planet, but rather in the deepest oceans of space. Uh-oh. That was Chip's answer. Chip! One more point to Chip. Which means that Chip is now one point away. 
and I'm six points away. Uh-oh. But Here unless the first sentence of Colonies in Space was, Colonies in Space? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to win this game. I have oh, a good no. feeling. Lucky for Jason, the first sentence of Colonies in Space is, Colonies <gasps> in Space? Wow. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Wow. There you go. It's it's in the mark. introduction. <laughs> Question marks makes all the difference, I'm telling you. It's in the introduction as written by Ray Bradbury. He was very curious about those colonies in space. <laughs> Nobody went with Tiff's answer, which was, have you ever looked into the stars and dreamt of living among uh-huh. the heavens? Likewise, nobody went with Jason's answer, which was, have you ever wanted to live in space? <laughs> and, oh, maybe I, the fact that I forgot to mention that space is capitalized might have yes, maybe thrown people I like off that the scent. Point. Space. Yeah. Not just space. space. Not just a space. space. Not just like, space. not just like the corner of your garage, but space. Well, I can, I can tell you, here's, here's a Ray Bradbury's Where they have the space bucks and the space cops. Colonies in space? Yes. Of Question course. mark. Why not? Let's go there. Let's do the job. But scores of doubting Thomases repeat the question. Mr. Heppenheimer answers it on many levels in this book. Mr. Heppenheimer is keeper of the key, opener of the gate, tender of the gardens we will toss to space and inhabit with proper proportions of sorrow and joy. He offers you citizenship in the universe. How can you refuse? Citizen of the universe. Question to rock and roll. Well, let's go to the scores. After round 10, Chip is just dangling on the precipice. He has 17 points. He, of course, is in first place. Tied for second with 12 points each, Brian and myself. In fourth place with 11 points is Tiff. In fifth with 10 is Kathy. And tied for last with nine points each, Jason and Glenn. Normally a very respectable score. And you're still in the mix, frankly. But uh, it's a very even game. And uh, we're all ready to move on from that silly round to round 11. And the word for round 11 is Heppenheimer. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of hep in the heim. The word for round 11 is Yevil. Yevil. Y-E-E-V-I-L. Yevil. Please send me your definitions for the word Evil. Now. Evil can evil. Got it. I don't know why y'all doing this, but evil. Evil. Evil can evil. I said it already. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Twins. Twinsies. <laughs> All right, this is the final round. I can feel it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right, all of the words are, all of the definitions are in for the word. Yevil. I will read them now. Yevil. The lesser of two weevils. Thank you, Brian. That is everything. Your other options are a village well, a prospector's favorite pickaxe. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, is it time for that? Well, I like this one all right, but this one's medieval. Bye, Ricky. <laughs> I, 
I used to have two, but I lost the lesser of my two weevils. <laughs> I said evil, not weevil, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we also have a group of people hired to boo at sporting events. An erratic maneuver in stunt flying. A pitchfork made specifically for moving piles of dung. Or a small pickle. (laughs) Small. Sounds like a personal problem. So mm-hmm. many great options. This is very yeah. good. Disparate sure. choices. So, first to get to decide in round 11 amongst those wonderful oh, definitions yeah. is Brian. Uh, mm. Dung fork. Take your pickaxe, Brian. No, no, no. Dung fork. Oh, no. You want the pickaxe one. <laughs> sure? I, I, I want that dung fork. All right. Fine. <laughs> Kathy, can I interest you in a pickaxe? It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) A village well, please, Steve. (laughs) The village well for Kathy. All right. Chip, would you like the village well as well? I'm 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 going with the small pickle. What the hell? <laughs> okay. Sure. What the hell? Uh Jason. <laughs> I'm going with an erratic maneuver in stunt flying. Okay. Sounds awfully risky. Glenn. Uh I am also going with erratic maneuver and stunt flying because I'm mm. erratic. You know what? You started this whole spread thing, and now you are just completely going back on it. Yep. This is part of my double fake and how I'm going to lose very badly. <laughs> the, double, the old double fake. <laughs> it's really working out for you. It's Keep it up, great. buddy. Great. Save us, Tiff. I can't. I can't. If you can. Oh. <laughs> is this one of those games where Hoover's just left alive at the end as the winner? I think so, yes. Whoever didn't spit in their cigar is the winner. In the name of the spread, I really want to give a point to the lesser of two weevils. Oh, boy. I don't see how that helps the spread at all. <laughs> in fact, that seems more like just a convenient excuse to pick the really dumb answer that she likes. Yep. I just like it. I just like it. Huh. All right. Well, all of the answers are in. Oh, all no, the guesses. I was the last one. Oh, you were. Yep, you finished it off on that. Nice job. There's oh. two that haven't been taken. I'm the smarts. <laughs> well, we might as well start with that one since it's right up there on the top of my list. <laughs> Tiff thought it? that the lesser of two weevils was at least worthy of uh, of a point. And that point goes to Kathy. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> Fantastic. First ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> Speaking of Kathy, she thought that a evil was a village well. Well, she's wrong. One point to Glenn for that. Well, well, well. Glenn and Jason, meanwhile, thought that an erratic maneuver in stunt flying was a evil. <gasps> and they were wrong. And it was Chip Sutter's <gasps> answer. Oh! 
Two points to Chip. Chip is over the finish line. Will I also reach the finish line? Let's find out, shall we? Chip thought that uh, a evil was a small pickle. Nope, that was Jason's answer. Uh, you can make a relish out of it, but only a very small amount. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> tiny pile of relish. Small piles of relish. That leaves Brian, who may or may not have given me a tie. He went for a pitchfork made specifically for moving piles of dung. Is a evil a pitchfork for dung? Yes, it is. Oh, Chip is alone yeah. in the lead oh, and wow. has one low definition. Eleven. Good Chip. job, Congratulations Chip. to the wow. entire nation of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how those scores broke down after 11 excruciating rounds. <laughs> Chip wins low definition with 19 points. Man, everything else is awfully, awfully close. Brian in second with 14 points. Me in third with 12. With 11 points each, Tiff and Kathy. And a two-way tie for last with 10 points each. Normally a darn good score, but uh, not today. Jason and Glenn. Whew. So that does it for this episode of Low Definition. At last, uh, I want to thank my players for their good humor and endurance. Thank you, Chip, Jason, Glenn, Tiff, Brian, and Kathy. Uh, if you have somehow suffered through this entire episode, you might want to drop <laughs> us uh, an email or something on Twitter. Uh, and you can do so at Low Def GS. The GS stands for Guinness Sucks. And uh, our email <laughs> account is also lowdefgs at gmail.com. Again, Guinness sucks for that one as well. Uh, I have been Steve Lutz. This has been Low Definition. And uh, I'm warning you that if you shab T, T shab V. Good night, everybody. <laughs>